A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello and welcome to Mischief Makers. I am Charlie Russell and with me I have the utterly glorious Harry Kershaw. Hello, Hazza. Hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm, um, I'm currently lying on my bed. My it's goodness. Unne- it's unnecessary information, but it, but it, is, <laughs> but it is true. <laughs> Well, I'm sitting on my bed, if that helps. Uh, okay, I'm going to try sitting. I think that might be better. Good. <laughs> so this programme is designed to help Mr. Fans get to know us a little bit more. Um, and we're going to start with the getting to know you section. But uh, Dave, as he's mentioned earlier, is not so technically minded and doesn't have any jingles. So I was hoping you could uh, provide a jingle for us, a getting to know you type okay. jingle. Excellent. What now? Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Getting to know me, getting to know me. <laughs> that was so staccato. <laughs> it makes it memorable if it's just, you know, simple. That's very true. It's very true. Kept, kept Harry Kershaw. Harry Kershaw byline. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the first thing I want to ask you about is, and you're probably sick of talking about it, but I don't think lots of people know this about you, that you have no peripheral vision. Is that right? Well, well, the, I've, got, I've got sort of 12% peripheral vision, uh, which means that I can't really, if I'm not looking at something, then I can't see it. And that sounds kind of, I think probably in order to get an idea of what it's like, if you take both your hands and put them as close to your eyes as you can um, and imagine that you can probably see your hands, um, but I, I can't see my hands and I can't see anything. So what I can see is essentially tunnel vision, um, which I, means that I, I can't dance. Can't, I, can't, I can't really see people out of the corner of my eye. That's essentially what that means. 
<laughs> Did you say you also can't dance? Well, I can. Well, not well. Um, I think there are many other reasons for that. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I've seen you and you can dance. So. I, it's very enthusiastic. It's not technically very good. I disagree <laughs> strongly. <laughs> it's uh, it's proved quite interesting when we do Mischief Movie Night, hasn't it? Uh, mm. That issue, not the dancing, the uh, the lack of peripheral vision, because of course you can't necessarily see us if we're improvising and we do something behind you, or, no. or at least to the side of you. You you uh, you don't no. see it, do you? To me, that's some sort of magic trick. Um, the idea that you can. I don't really see. I don't really understand what peripheral vision is because I don't really have it. So so being able to see what what it's explained to me as is you can see it, but you can't really see it. Um and um I find that um baffling. So um so yeah. I mean what is weird is during a scene someone might be doing something very important and it's incredibly obvious to everyone else and I, <laughs> I can't see it at all. Uh so yeah we it's <laughs> You know, we're seeing it as an opportunity. I'm seeing it as an opportunity to, uh, yeah. <laughs> Provide comedy. It, yeah. And it does. It really yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose, yeah, putting it like that, it is quite baffling. It doesn't really make any sense to me. But then Shields, um, Henry Shields can't really hear um, brilliantly. Um, and I remember we did a, um, we did a scene where my character had no peripheral vision and he had no hearing in one of his ears um <laughs> and that was um that was actually just a true thing that happened and then we started insulting each other based on based on those those shortcomings um so that was that was wonderful for me and probably baffling for the audience i remember it actually and it was a really strange moment for everyone else on stage going is this joking oh, or is this real <laughs> and we were laughing way more than the audience yeah yeah rule number one don't have a load more fun than the audience that we um we ignored that rule <laughs> all right so um another question i have for you is that um is it correct that you can ride a horse and are you any good at it um yeah i think this 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 is a big giveaway for all the people um that uh that didn't think I was really posh based on my accent I think it really <laughs> it really gives away the fact that I am yeah I can yeah I can read a ho- I can read I can I can ride a horse <laughs> I can read to a horse as well but I could I could um I can ride a horse and yeah <laughs> I I went to um I went to pony club when I was younger that's how cool I am and um and that pony club is basically when you ride around on a horse for a couple of weeks and then you end with a competition where you realize um that you're not actually very good at riding a horse although i didn't make it <laughs> the last time i went to pony club i didn't make it to um i didn't make it to to the competition day because i fell off the horse and um had to go away in an air ambulance so Oh. How good or bad I am at horse riding is, re- I think, is up for debate. But I've done it a lot. Oh, Hazza, you poor thing. Thank you. <laughs> um, also, you've actually worked a lot as an actor outside of mischief, um, mm. and often we actually can't pin you down to get you in a show. Uh, could you tell us what your favourite show has been to do that is not a mischief show? I um I was watching the um 
the recording of One Man, Two Governors that they put out the other day. And I was I was not in that version. I was in a, a slightly later version, but it was at the Haymarket in the West End. I played the actor Alan Dangle, um, who was uh, not a very good actor who took himself incredibly seriously. Uh, so they cast me in it. And uh, I had a lovely time doing that. I can remember... Uh, my, yeah, one of my favourite things was that at the beginning of the second half, there's a band on stage and... Um, just and you come on as Alan Dangle, the actor. You come on stage, and um, and you hopefully you get a round of applause because of something you've done earlier. And um, I remember feeling like a complete rock star doing that. That was great. Um, more more recently, I was in This House, which was a play about nineteen sixties and sort of nineteen seventies politics, um, which was a play written by James Graham, and that was on tour, um, and that was. That was great as well. I had such a nice time doing that. I essentially, I essentially realised that I I play very loud, very intense characters quite often. I think maybe <laughs> just realised. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason for that is probably the peripheral vision thing. If I'm looking at something, then I'm really looking at it, which gives me an in- unnecessarily intense quality. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say it was unnecessary. It's absolutely specific, brilliant. It's specific. Quality. It's specific, though, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. That, <laughs> I, I also play. Yeah, I also play lots of. Um, for a long time, I played uh, men that women don't want to go out with. Um, I was in a TV show called Cuckoo, um, where that was the case. I was also in something called called Switch. And um, the disappointing thing about that was sort of teenage witches, and I was playing the man that women didn't want to go out with. And um, the really sad thing about that was in the script, it, it, the, I remember the words, she looks across at Jeffrey. I was Jeffrey. And Jeffrey is worse than she could possibly have ever imagined. And I sort of imagined that they'd give me glasses and, I, I don't know, put like fake warts on my face or something. Um, but actually what they did was they did my hair the way I normally do it. And then they put on a, a hoodie that I thought was quite cool. And, um, they said I was ready to go. Um, <laughs> so, so I found that, I found that if I'm being honest with you, Charlie, I found that moment disappointing. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you are you are brilliant, and all of I saw all of those shows that you mentioned. Um, oh yeah. And you are excellent in all of them. So You're just too, proves what a great actor you are. Too kind. Too kind. <laughs> and um, having worked outside of mischief, have you learned anything from other actors? You know, a really great tip or something you really should do in rehearsal. And uh, conversely, have you also seen things that are maybe the worst thing you can ever do in a rehearsal? I uh, yeah I. I I'll take I'll take the negative first so that we can end with a positive because that's always nicer mm. isn't it um I think the most annoying thing I've seen is um is someone turn up late to rehearsals uh, on a regular basis and then blame every oh yeah and then they tu- they turned up late for rehearsal and uh, like all the time and then they'd go for for sleep they go for naps during rehearsal um which I found, um, baff- uh, yeah, ba- a word I've used a lot already, baffling. Um, and um, they turned up, I think they turned up like a few hours late. And then they said, then they 
turned the, they stopped the rehearsal they turned up and they said it's poets day today piss off tomorrow piss off early tomorrow saturday and i thought i thought you're you're a couple of hours late it's probably not the time to make jokes about leaving early um and that i i i think i think the main thing is just if you're in a rehearsal room and you're giving the impression that you don't want to be in a rehearsal room then people won't want to have you in a rehearsal room. Um, I mean, that is baffling, isn't it? Because as actors, we're all desperate to get work. We spend most of the time unemployed. Yeah. So when you finally get a job, not want to be there, just don't be an actor then. Do something else. The the thing I find find annoying, and I think probably actually at some point we've all been guilty of it, is, um, is you wait a long time for a job and hopefully it's a really nice dream job. Maybe it's a theatre job. Um, and then you get your schedule through for the first week and some, and the first day is normally 10 o'clock and then maybe the second day is sort of 11.30 and I've been out for drinks with people when they've just sort of celebrated getting the job and how happy they are to be going in at 11.30 uh, for the second day. Always, I always find baffling <laughs> because, it's, because it's like you've, well, you've spent so long trying to get the job and now you're happy that you're not in for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> I, I find that I find that very confusing. Um, mm. But on the other side, I'd say the most positive thing that I've learned is that the only thing that you can really control is how much effort you put in to into the work that you do. Um, and I totally understand people who. Um, who who think oh I, I I don't want to do too much work um, before turning up for a day for a day of for the first day of rehearsal but I I'm not like that I need to do as much work as I as I possibly can do it's the same for auditions I think the only thing you can control is how much effort you put in um, and I think that is the best people the best people I've worked with are the people who care the most and who and who put in that extra work um mm. in order in order to give the impression that they know what they're doing because i think we we always start with um with the assumption or the reality that it's not going to be very good the first time you go through something <laughs> i think that's i think that's fine but the most however the most if you can put in effort so that the the uh the time scale between it being terrible and the time scale uh, and and the uh, the difference between it being quite good um, aren't as long as they could be because quite often the reason why things aren't as good as they could be is because I don't know people don't know their lines or they haven't really thought about things um, mm. and if you really think about something and you really prepare as well as you can then I yeah then I don't think you have anything to worry about. Yeah, because it'll always be rubbish the first time you do it. But you're right; you probably reduce the amount of time it takes for it to get good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, also, the, I mean, obviously, um, in comedy, I remember. I remember I was in a, a rehearsal for a comedy show, and they had this rule, which was that you weren't allowed to laugh in rehearsals. Um, and I, I totally, and at the time, I thought that's totally insane. Why would you do that? And I kind of understood it because um as actors you're you're always trying to be supportive and nice and maybe even if someone doesn't do something hilarious 
then your initial instinct is to go sort of like, oh, <laughs> yes, brilliant. God, you're good. Because mm-hmm. uh, we want to make friends. And it might well be brilliant, but it might not be. Um, and there's always a weird thing that happens um, when you've done a, a lot of rehearsals of a, of a comedy scene, which is that it, it's almost certainly much better than it was the first time you did it. But because everyone in the rehearsal room has um, has seen it so many times, it becomes that thing where where you're just like, actually, I don't think this is funny anymore. And then what you mm. can end up doing is adding loads of unnecessary business on top of it in order to make it funny oh, yes. again. So actually, it was, that was kind of an interesting thing. They just banned laughter. And then on the first night, it was actually um, quite good. Mm, <laughs> Which, maybe we should start doing that. It'd be practically impossible. I'd, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, mischief's a kind of um, di- different thing. I like, especially um, I was before Corona. I was doing the um, doing the rehearsals for Magic Goes Wrong, and that's a really weird uh, thing to rehearse because a lot of it is improvised, um, mm. and it's very strange to uh, to rehearse. Uh, sort of talking to an audience and interacting with an audience but you know there's no there's no sort of suspension of disbelief you know that you're just talking to the director or someone who's <laughs> sitting in on, on rehearsals um <laughs> and obviously it's not it doesn't tend to be the same uh more than uh more than once in a row but it's it, rehearsing something that's improvised is is bizarre I've got. I've got. I've got to say, it's. A, I, <laughs> I will never not find sort of asking someone what their name is and then improvising around that. I will never find rehearsing that not very strange. Good to know. <laughs> and uh, one more small question. Uh, tell us about Covent Garden Soup, Harry. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. So Covent. Okay. So. Okay. So there's background on this. So when I was a child. Covent Garden soup made a really good soup and it was it doesn't sound exciting I understand that but it was Covent Garden spinach soup and I loved as a child uh I loved it it was my favorite thing to eat and um not I don't know when but a few years ago Covent Garden soup discontinued spinach soup and they put mm. in its they put in its place a far inferior product um that, ha- that is green but is not the same um and is not good um in my in my opinion so um so i realized this and it was uh, it was around the time that um that pret stopped doing their cream of chicken soup that's a different story, but that was also very sad. So, um, so what I did was I started messaging them on a regular basis that Covent Garden soup that they should recontinue this spinach soup, which I I thought was a good idea. And they what they did was they totally ignored me, um, which I understand. Uh, so then I it sort of started as a joke and some people like the amount of people that tweet Covent Garden soup is a surprisingly high number of people so people mm. would say stuff like oh no just just um opened my chicken soup from Covent Garden and it had a bone in it 
uh, furious. And I'd tweet them back things like, yeah, that sounds awful. You know what doesn't have any bones in it? Covent Garden spinach soup. Right, Dan. And, um, and they, sometimes people would respond and most of the time they wouldn't. Um, but it sort of started as a joke. And then I carried on doing that for a long time because I, I found it quite funny. And then I realized that actually it was, I, it was something that I thought would be good for humanity. And um, yeah, and I tried to get, I tried to get some celebrities involved. I, I, I tweeted Covent Garden spinach soup that if I got 500,000 signatures, would they bring it back? They ignored that. Um, I, when I, whenever I'm bored, I now tweet Covent Garden soup about bringing it back and they haven't responded. I think maybe they responded once. Um, I think they think that I'm clinically insane and that's fine. That's their judgment, but it's not true. Yes. And I think, and I think they should bring it back. So if they're listening, if they're listening, if they're listening to this, they should definitely, they should consider very strongly bringing it back. What an insight into your mind has. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we have to move on from that because that was utterly bizarre. Um, (laughs) Too long, if anything. Um, We've got some questions from the web. Uh, I reckon we've got time. Go on, can you do a, a jingle about questions from the web? Questions from the web. Da da da. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, uh, what is the best thing about being in mischief? Um, I think the best thing about um, mischief is when I was in uh, drama school um, and I was going a bit, uh, I was really starting to doubt myself and uh, things weren't going particularly well every weekend. Uh, we would we would go and we would just improvise and we were essentially just a bunch of losers in a room um mm. making making mistakes maybe um uh but just performing and being able to be creative uh, and i think maybe without that i think probably at rather i would have had a a, a low point that i didn't have cuz i was able to uh, just sort of be creative and and do stuff. Um, mm. I think that quite often people give you reasons why you can't do things, and then you end up not doing anything. Um, and with mischief, there's very little of that. There's we have this idea, and we're gonna do it. Um, yeah, which is uh, I think awesome. Yeah, I mean, you you're a founding member of Mischief, and you mm. did go to Lambda, but for just one year, is that right? And then you went to Rada. Yes, they wouldn't have me back, um, but <laughs> but now I'm I'm teaching there at the moment. I'm actually teaching improvisation there at the moment, which is um, what well, a lambda. Yeah, which is great. Well, not not right now, obviously, but um, <laughs> but previously. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that's um, that's brilliant. I love doing that. Yeah, and I know what you mean about that th- thing at the weekend of just being like right. All week I've been rubbish at everything, but this weekend mm. I am just going to go in a room with my bunch of friends, my losers, and it, we can be rubbish, but it's sort of all right, and we can just express ourselves and kind of be stupid and then laugh at it and then go and get some chips. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And dra- in a drama school, they do that. They they do that thing, or they certainly did it to me, where they sort of break you apart and then they reassemble you. Um, mm. 
and that and I understand why why people do that, but um, but it can feel quite often it can feel quite um disheartening. Um, and um, definitely at some point during training, I, I, I suddenly became obsessed with the idea of being right um, uh, or, or doing the right thing. And I just realized mm. that that doesn't really exist. And the, and the assumption that you can do the right thing or the perfect thing actually is sort of the enemy of creativity. Um, so, so being in a room where that was the case is, um, was great. Yeah. What a good sentence. Thank you. Thank you. You'll be quoted on that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another another question from Twitter. Uh, what are yes. you most proud of so far? I mean, that could mean anything, couldn't it, I suppose, but potentially in your career? Um, yeah, I think... I think um, I'm most proud... That's a really good one. I... I, mm, I think... I think this is yeah I think I think I'm probably most proud of um d- uh, I think of Edinburgh of doing Edinburgh's because um the Edinburgh festival doing shows during the Edinburgh, Edinburgh festival getting up early doing gigs on a on a pink bus at nine o'clock in the morning mm. and doing um the real hard graft is a lot more difficult than when you get um a sort of if you're in a West End theatre or or, or if you're on a film set, um, uh, obviously depending on the film, depending on the on the play, but actually just doing the, all that extra stuff where you have to go and flyer and and get people to come and see your own work is um, is I think mm. actually uh, much more difficult. And uh, yeah, so actually actually I'll go further than that. I'd I'd say I am very bad at being an understudy in anything. I just can't, I, I don't really have mm. the type of brain that works for it. And I'd say at one point I went on and did a, I, I was, I was never really meant to go on as this part. Um, Cause I was playing a different part in the show, but I went on having mm. not really rehearsed the part and I didn't die. And that was really positive. Um, I think, cause I, I don't have that kind of brain where you can under, where you can go through something once and know it. Um, and I think being an understudy is something that is massively under, underappreciated, generally speaking, I think, especially in straight theatre. I think uh, people who, who have that ability to go on and save the day on a regular basis are amazing. Um, I don't think that people get the, the respect they deserve for doing it. I, I realise that I shouldn't be doing it just because I'm very bad at understudying I, I don't have that kind of brain but I, I think everyone who does understudy is amazing especially if you've got loads of parts to to remember um I think going on and not yeah not destroying the show is uh is is much more impressive than than playing a really good part in something that you do night after night yeah that you've got six weeks to rehearse on I know mm. yeah I'm always impressed by understudies too. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what is your most memorable moment from Mischief Movie Night? Ooh. There's, yeah, there's, um, I, I, I'm not particularly a singer, um, but quite a lot of them revolve around songs. There's, I'd say there's, there's one moment that it sticks out because whenever I mention it to anyone in Mischief, no one remembers it at all. 
Um, and I and at the moment when I was doing it, I was like, "This is amazing." Um, and it was set. It was uh, something set in a gold mine, and it was a rock song called "At the Bottom of the Mine." And oh yeah, um, I thought that was amazing, um, and I really enjoyed doing it. And very few people can remember it happening at all. Uh, uh, I also, <laughs> which is kind of interesting, um, because when you're doing something, I think quite often you, you assume that the audience think what you think about it, uh, which is true for when it's, when you don't think it's good as, as well as when you think it's brilliant. Um, so the idea that I thought it was amazing and, um, and it wasn't memorable to anyone else, um, uh, I, that's, uh, that made me laugh. There's, there was another one where we were bingo and we were lovers in a documentary. I think we were bingo and stone. Yeah. I think there was a love. We thing were. That was really fun. And then we I had a whole in, song. Yeah. Just, yeah. You are yeah. not alone when you have bingo and stone or something. Yeah. Really did a good job of making that about ourselves, which was, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Which is great. Um, then, yeah, I think there's one more where we were, it was in, Cardiff I remember this because you guys did a really good song again uh where you just did loads of harmonies um I was a character who came on and I was talking to someone who lived above a police station no who Mm. fancied someone who lived above a police station and I came on and the only piece of advice I gave regularly was don't get ideas above your station um and I didn't realize I, I think I just said that as a piece of advice and I forgot that it was the whole thing was based above a police station. So I think people <laughs> thought it was a lot a lot cleverer than it was meant to be. But I think that's the only advice I gave throughout the show. Um, and I thought that was really fun. <laughs> it was. Yeah. You made me laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was your favourite character for a mischief movie night? That I did or that other people have done? Oh, either. Um, I think the most I've laughed in a, in a, in a mischief movie night was when Henry Lewis at the, at the end of a show, which I think had baffled the audience. It was, I think it was a matinee in Cambridge or something like that. Oh Um, yeah. There was a big twist that, um, every, essentially the game became there, there need to be loads of twists here because there's very little content. So in the end, the game became there need to be loads of twists and people would say, actually, I'm your mother. And then someone else would say, actually, uh, it's the case that I'm, I'm your father and have always been your father. And it's just loads of that. And it sort of mm-hmm. got to a head. And at one point, Henry Lewis shouted, and we aren't security guards. We are actually a bag of lemons. Um, <laughs> and, and, um, it was it was really uh, interesting because it wasn't I wouldn't say it was quality improvisation, um, but it was just going with the idea, which was obviously insane, and mm. um, and was really great. I think I played at one point I played someone called the Riddler. Ah um, oh, yes. In a sort of um, they had to go across a bridge of some kind, and. Um, yeah, I think it was another song. It was something, it was along the lines of Don't Ridicule the Riddler. And that oh, was I watched really that good. show. That was so good. I had a lovely time. That was the that was the most fun I've had. And then we had we had sort of um a a competition through song. It's with with some it was great. I had a lovely time. 
That was very good. I also remember really back in the day uh, that rom-com we did in Edinburgh, Gordon's Brown Trousers. Yeah. And I believe you were Gordon. <laughs> it's re- that was, yes, I was. And uh, yeah, and I think, that, I think that was mentioned because I used to go around Edinburgh in brown corduroy trousers, which I've now realised weren't as cool as I thought they were. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, I remember that. That was a real thing about just saying yeah. It was the first time that I'd just really gone with saying yes to something that I didn't really understand at all. So uh, Dave, I remember Dave Hearn came on during that show and he went, you've got to tell her. And I said, I, I, that, I, that I love her? And he went, yes, you've got to tell her that you love her. And that was essentially the entire plot of the show. And all it came from was, uh, was, was just saying yes rather than saying no. Which is, mm, rather than going, what? Yes, yeah. what? Explain. <laughs> um, uh, Although than, a bit yeah, of a naughty going, move from Dave. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's true. He just dropped you in it. Um, But no, very good work from the two of you. Trust each other very much. Well, that Mm. was fascinating. Um, And we can move on now to the quick fire questions. Um, So can you also give me a three second jingle for the quick fire section? Quick fire section. Da da da. Brilliant. Um, Actually, I just realised there was another question that could have gone into the first one because it is from the web, but it also can be a quickfire question. So, are you ready? Yes. Would you rather sweat mayonnaise or have screaming nipples that interrupt your conversation? I'd rather have screaming nipples. I would would allow an explanation. (laughs) You can't. You just the idea. Sour mayonnaise. It, sweat smells bad enough, but if you're, oh, no one. I mean, the screaming nipples could be fun. The the the, the sweating <laughs> mayonnaise couldn't be fun. Also, yeah, it's like fun. a party trick. Look at my screaming nipples. No one wants the party trick of look at my rancid, sour mayonnaise sweat. Yeah, because no one's going to use that mayonnaise as mayonnaise, are they? It's not no. like at a barbecue that you're like, oh, anyone need any mayo? No, yeah, I've exactly. Got some. I don't want your horrid, sweated mayonnaise. Whereas I can Mm. imagine someone going on the Ellen show and just being like, look, I've got screaming nipples. That's very true. Okay, next question. What is your favourite colour? Blue. What is your spirit animal? Oh, fox. Fox. (laughs) Fox. What, who is the bossiest member of Mischief? Oh, God, no one. Uh, no one is, but no. Um, Nancy, 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 maybe. Fair, fair, maybe. Uh, who is the most likely to corpse on stage? Mm, I think it's me. (gasps) I thought you were going to say me. I think maybe it's it's both of us, but I didn't want to offend you. So, um, I'd say both of us, maybe. I think we're both. particularly as a pair as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We're dreadful, aren't we? Um, okay, is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? Um, it's a biscuit. Mm. What it's is your biscuit. favourite film? Um, oh, Shine. Shine? Yeah. I. What's that? It's about a um, it's about a com- a, a really uh, brilliant concert pianist, um, and um. 
uh, and it's amazing. And it's yeah, it's about a, a concert pianist who um who maybe worked. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to explain it too much, but it is one. Of, I think it's the best film ever written. It's so good. Wow. And basically, he he uh, ends up um not seeming like he's a concert concert pianist. Um, uh, oh, it's uh, I'm not going to explain it too much. Just watch it. It's so good. Brilliant. Okay. And uh, how far is too far? Um, uh, ele- 11 kilometers. Nice. Who is your comedy hero? I'm, I've got to say Jonathan Burke, Jonathan Sayer for this. I know in, I've not listened to his one, but I'm sure he didn't say that for me. But I've got <laughs> to, I've got to say, cause we used to go, we, before we went on stage, we used to both say to each other, you're my comedy hero. So I've Aww. got to say that, and um, he'll probably say, "Oh, Chaplin," or um, Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton. Oh, Buster Keaton is amazing. He'll probably say that, <laughs> but um, but really, if he was being honest, he would say me. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, he should say you anyway. Yeah, I don't think um, he did. <laughs> and uh, I've got. I want to ask you something as well. If you weren't an actor. Um, mm. And you weren't in this sort of this side of the creative industry. What what might you do instead? I I um I was looking back at the diary that because we've all got some time on our hands. I was looking back on it, at a diary and I realised that I wanted to be a cocktail critic or a hotel or a hotel critic or a swimming pool critic. Um, just any anywhere where I get I got to go to a nice place for free and then write about it. <laughs> that is a great aspiration, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's mu- yeah, much better than. Be a... Oh, I think. Oh I no, lost I was it. just going to say. I think you'd be. No, I was going to say. I think you'd be a great um, cocktail critic, actually. That's really yeah. Well, I'm, I make too many cocktails, so now I th- feel I can criticize them. What's your favorite? I I I like an old fashioned because it's really easy, or an espresso martini because you get to shake it. In a in a oh, in yeah. a shaker, which is always fun. Do they not keep you up at night? Uh, if you have if you have many, then yes. But if you just have one, mm. then you're basically having a shot of shot of espresso. Then you're fine. Mm. This is giving away that I'm posh again, isn't it? The, yeah. Um, the well kept secret. Um, but it's yeah. very well kept. You, yeah. Your casting is definitely normally um, very different from this. I don't think you've yeah. ever played a posh man in your life. It's loud posh man, normally. So uh... <laughs> Amazing. Well, the, mm. Harry, this has been so lovely. Thank you so much. Do you? Uh, we've heard your recommendation for film. Do you mm. have any TV recommendations for people? Um, I, um, I, well, Tiger King, obviously, but let me think of something more interesting than that um oh 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 okay for a different reason manif there's something called manifest which is the best okay. concept for a tv show i've ever come i've ever i think i didn't come up with it best uh that someone's come up with <laughs> such a good concept and the delivery just doesn't quite um deliver on the brilliant brilliant idea but it is no less good because of that. It's sort of marvellous in a sort of I can see what they're trying to do here way. 
So if you enjoy mm. deconstructing what you watch in a very unhelpful way, that's the show for you. Oh gosh, I'm sure that speaks to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, well, thank you so much. And uh, if you could just give us a little closing jingle to the interview with Harry, that would be great. The interview is over. Da da da. Da da da. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I am Charlie Russell. I've been talking to Harry Kershaw. Do keep an eye out for our next episode. If you want to, you can follow Mischief and get all the latest info and news um, on Twitter. The handle is at Mischief Comedy. Thank you so much and keep making mischief. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.